this is Jeff from Bandit's LSU Sports Blog with uh, Soapbox for March 13, 2010. If you're just tuning in to Bandit's LSU Sports Blog podcast, we do a two-minute drill, which is a two to three, sometimes four-minute brief news-oriented podcast. Um, and the Soapbox podcasts are a little bit longer. Last one I did, Soapbox number one, was about 30 minutes, and we did it on football recruiting. This one will talk basketball. The difference between uh, the two-minute drill and the Soapbox podcast are Soapbox is a little more my opinion, although I give some opinion on the two-minute drill. This one is almost solely my opinion, backed up by a little bit of research. Um, And because they take a little bit longer to put together, and it's just me, I only put these out about once a month. This Soapbox will be about basketball. Uh, Men's basketball season is over now, and so I'm going to get into a little bit of what happened this season, uh, my my opinions about why it happened the way it did, and uh, talk a little bit about uh, next year. But before we do that, let's talk about some news. Well, Tiger fans have been used to not having too many discipline issues to worry about lately, especially on the football team. However, uh, Terrence Tolliver, a senior wide receiver next year, expected to be... Uh, to carry a lot of the mail for the Tigers in the passing game. Got in some trouble in a fight in Fred's in Tigertown. He was with Dennis Harris. I think Garrett Green was there as well. Um, there's going to be discipline for uh, Harris and Tolliver. I don't think Green was part of it. Um, it was interesting to listen to Miles and Johnson talk about uh, the discipline that's going to be handed out to these guys. I think what we can take from that is uh, these guys were kind of in the wrong place at the wrong time. Um, and uh, made some bad decisions. Sounds like uh, Tolliver was probably the most belligerent, and he's going to take the brunt of uh, the discipline. Um, I'm not sure if the misdemeanor charges have been dropped or not, but bottom line is these guys are going to run some laps, run some stadiums, um, and uh, take a little heat from the coaches, but I don't expect it's going to hurt their playing time at LSU. It's interesting. Uh, Miles is pretty good at uh, handling these discipline things Um, and you don't really hear him say much about players um, but he was pretty open about Tolliver Um, kind of a two sides of the coin he was disappointed in him saying he was going to hold him accountable but at the same time he seemed uh, pretty happy that Tolliver came out and apologized in public for what had happened so you know the bottom line is these these athletes go out two in the morning to some bar and if they're still there, they're a big target. I mean, at some point, if you're kind of a star athlete on a football team, some punk is going to try to take a shot at you. So it's, I don't envy these guys. Um, you know, Tolliver doesn't seem like the kind of guy to go looking for trouble. He has never been in trouble before. Uh, so I would tend to think that that's what happened. He was in the wrong place at the wrong time um, and uh, just failed to walk away. Um, and... Uh, that's just a tough place for these kids to be. I'm sure Tolliver has learned his lesson. In baseball, Anthony Renato is uh, still injured. He's got a bad elbow, and he's um, his recoup time has been extended, which is not great news. LSU's got some pretty good starting pitching, um, but without Renato, that's, that pitching staff is uh, a lot less um, stellar. So we're going to have to wait and see how it uh, how it works out. Some, some young guy is going to have to step up now and uh, – and fill in. There's a lot less depth on the pitching staff without Renato there. Um, it'll be interesting to see how SEC play 
uh, turns out. LSU's no longer undefeated. Uh, they split uh, the first two games with Kansas, losing the first one in kind of a hit fest, and then uh, winning the second one in a little more of a pitching duel. Um, so the third game is uh, tomorrow, which is Sunday, and uh, we'll see how that goes. We'll have more on baseball and uh, future two-minute drills. Softball, um, the ti- Lady Tigers crushed South Carolina in the first two games. Combined uh, score of both games is 14 to nothing. Uh, pitching for the Tigers, as the young the young folks say, is sick. It's very, very good. So I highly uh, recommend you pay a little attention to softball. I think it's going to be a special year for the, for the Tigers. Um, in basketball, Tennessee beat Kentucky to win the Women's SEC Tournament Championship. The Lady Tigers are likely somewhere around a fifth seed in the NCAA tourney. Um, I saw one uh, bracket uh, prediction that showed them playing in the Daytona, I'm sorry, the Dayton bracket, uh, and that'll be in Austin, Texas on March 21st against uh, possibly Marist. But we'll have to see how all that turns out as the, all the conference tournaments um, wrap up. The men lost a really tough uh, game to Tennessee in the opening round of the SEC tournament. They stayed close most of the game with good defense, played a good, solid zone. And uh, Kentucky, I mean, sorry, Tennessee is really not that great of a shooting team. So uh, they, they were able to stay close to them. As it, as it turns out, they lost the game by 10 points, which is maybe a little more than, uh, than really wh- how it shows a, a worse score than, than the actual game. They were a little bit closer than that for the entire game. However, Tennessee did lead most of the game. Um, the problem for LSU has been a lack of quality depth. Uh, if you look at the Tigers' um, playing time, and I'll get into this, um, there's a starting five that plays a vast majority of the game. There's a couple of guys who can come off the bench and score some points and get some rebounds. Uh, but for the most part, there's just really not a whole lot of depth. And uh, we're going to talk more about that here in this podcast. Kentucky, Tennessee, Mississippi State, and Vandy all made it to the semifinals, uh, which is very predictable. Uh, those those four teams uh, probably will make the NCAA tourney in addition to Florida. Um, Kentucky and Mississippi State will play tomorrow, March 14th, for the SEC final. So let's get back to LSU basketball. Uh, the Tigers did not win a single game on the road. That's that's amazing. They also did not beat a single-ranked opponent this season. And you'd have to go back a long time to find a season that uh, is this bad. Um, I did a little research. Brady had a 2-14 and season twice. Uh, one of those times was in the 97-98 season, which was his first year. And then he did it again in uh, 01 2000 and 2001. Dale Brown, uh, in his very last year at LSU, 96-97, went uh, 10 and 20 total and 3 and 13 in the SEC. So you got to go back uh, 10 years, really, to the 2000-2001 season to find a season that's uh, comparable to this one. When you uh, and you look at LSU's problems, uh, the first place you look at is is offense. And just really a terrible offensive season. If you compare it to the rest of the SEC, um, LSU was dead last in the conference in scoring offense, dead last in scoring margin, the worst field goal percentage, the worst 
three-point percentage, the least number of three-pointers made, and they were second to last in assists. So uh, pretty weak. Um, compared to the NCAA, there's uh, 347 teams in the NCAA, and LSU was 310th in scoring, 313th in field goal percentage, 335th out of 347 in three-point percentage, and 281st in assists. So offense was um, not good both in conference and then compared to the, uh, the rest of the country, which makes sense. The SEC, although better this year, and we'll talk about that a little bit, uh, is still not a very strong conference. Trent Johnson, though, is known for his defense, and, and um, in the games that LSU did well this year, it's, it's probably because LSU played, in general, good fundamental defense. Um, and and they, were, they were pretty good this year in that area, at least better than the offense compared to the other teams, but still not good by any stretch. When you compare uh, LSU's defense to the SEC, they were sixth in scoring defense, ninth in steals, ninth in turnover margin, tenth in block shots, eleventh in three-point defense percentage, and uh, tenth in field goal percentage defense. So... At best, in most categories, they were in the middle. And uh, for the most part, they were in the bottom half. Nationally, they're the bottom third in almost every category. So uh, not very good on defense this year either. Um, if, if you're looking for something good to say, LSU was number four in offensive rebounding in the SEC. Um, but I, I think the best thing you can say about the team is uh, they never quit. And uh, I think a lot of that had to do with both uh, Coach Johnson and also with uh, some of the leadership on the team. And and um, we'll get to that towards the end of the podcast. Looking back at the season and trying to analyze just why the team had such a, a horrible year, um, there's, there's kind of four contributing factors that pop up. And I think most people zero in on one of them, but I think the other three are worth mentioning as well. The first thing I'm going to look at is the SEC. Uh, it was a little bit better conference this year, and so that kind of um, fed into LSU's terrible SEC record. In addition to that, the probably the factor that most folks point to is the personnel issues on the team. And it's certainly valid. There are a lot of personnel problems in terms of uh, depth and and quality players. So we'll talk about that. The third factor is recruiting. Uh, It definitely is a a reason that we had personnel problems on the basketball team this year. So we'll take a look at the recruiting that led up to uh, this season. And then finally, we'll take a look at Trent Johnson himself and uh, talk a little bit about him. He's still a relatively new coach at LSU. And... um, So we'll kind of analyze Trent Johnson and see if maybe there's something there. In the SEC, um, you had some teams that were vastly improved from last year. Kentucky has really been down lately, but with a new coach and a fantastic recruiting class, Kentucky obviously is one of the top three or four teams in the country this year. Add to that Tennessee, Vandy, and Ole Miss, all vastly improved. Florida is always sticking around. Mississippi State always has a good basketball team. Um, So the SEC is a vastly improved conference. 
Last year, LSU was the only team in the SEC finishing in the top 25. This season, I believe there are three teams in the top 25 right now. If you look at last season, LSU, Tennessee, and Mississippi State made the NCAA tournament, uh, and LSU was the highest seed uh, at, at an eighth seed. This year, uh, I think at least four teams are going to make the tournament, possibly five, looking for Kentucky, Tennessee, Vandy, possibly Florida, and Mississippi State all to get in. Kentucky's going to be a number one seed, uh, more than likely, and uh, Tennessee and Vandy will probably be around fifth seeds. So from a standpoint of performance in the tournament, um, definitely a better season in the SEC. The Tigers stayed close in some big games this season, even despite the fact that the conference was better. Um, on February 4th, the Tigers stayed within five of, uh, of Tennessee sorry, at home. And then on February 13th, um, LSU lost to Vandy by eight, but that game was a lot closer than, uh, than the score says. But LSU also got trounced in some games. Uh, they lost to Arkansas by 35 and Kentucky by 26. Uh, they beat Arkansas later in the season, so that 35 is probably a little bit of a freak game. But uh, everybody knows Kentucky's a very good basketball team, so no surprise that they beat LSU by 26 points. From a personnel perspective, there is a huge difference between this team and last year's team. Uh, and that, that seems like a statement of the obvious, but let's look at the details of that. Last year, you had five seniors. Marcus Thornton, who's now uh, doing well in the NBA. Terry Martin, Garrett Temple, Chris Johnson, and Quentin Thornton. All big-time contributors in their own way. Some on defense, some block shots like uh, Chris Johnson. Uh, Marcus Thornton was good on defense. Uh, I'm sorry, Marcus Thornton was a great shooter. Quentin Thornton was good on defense. Um, so, you know, you had good five good contributors that were seniors last year, and they had a lot of experience. This year's best players, Taz uh, and Spencer, got to play inside that lineup. Uh, they were additions to that, uh, to that team. And uh, basically, the whole team last year was filled with scholarship players. This year, LSU had two seniors, Taz and um, Farrar, and effectively only one junior, Bo Spencer. Of the normal starting five for the season, only Spencer and Taz Mitchell really had any meaningful experience. Green and Harris um, had been battling injuries uh, ever since getting to LSU. Storm Warren got some playing time last year, but he really didn't come into his own. And Chris Bass has been inconsistent since he showed up at LSU, and he didn't really get much playing time last, last year either. The rest of the lineup uh, this year is made up of true freshmen like Aaron Dotson and Eddie Ludwig, um, or, interestingly, walk-ons like Populist, Beatty, Kinsley, and Jacobson. There are four walk-ons, and three of them have been getting reasonable amount of playing time for the Tigers this season. So let's look now in a little more detail at, uh, at the lineup this year and start with the, the obvious, in the obvious place with Tasman Mitchell. Um, there was some talk last year that he wasn't going to come back for his senior season, and if you consider how important that decision was for the team, um, it really kind of set the set the stage for at least a few wins this year. Without Tasman Mitchell, uh, this team is in a really bad spot. He averaged 17 points a game this year, which was fourth in the SEC, and almost 10 rebounds a game, good for third in the SEC. 
Uh, and he's in the top three in rebounds per game as well. Without Mitchell, uh, LSU really would have been in a bad place this year. Maybe more important than uh, those statistics, though, is uh, Tasman Mitchell's leadership. Uh, he played more minutes of basketball than any other SEC player, and it wasn't even really close. He averaged 37 minutes a game in a 40-minute game. That tells you a lot about how important he was to the team. Um, his durability was uh, very impressive all year, uh, and he was just always there. So without Taz Mitchell, this team is, uh, is hurting way worse than even it was based on the record that they ended up with. I think Taz Mitchell is uh, you know, a huge reason, along with Coach Johnson himself, for why the team just never gave up. There's some games where LSU basically lost by a lot of points. But in most games, the Tigers were fighting until the very end. I really can't remember a single game in the season where halfway through the second half or even you know, in the last five minutes, the team basically had given up and, uh, and it got ugly. In most games, the Tigers are fighting until the very end. And, uh, and, and that just is a testament, I think, to both Coach Johnson, but also Tasman Mitchell. He's a guy who decided to come back and stick around for his senior season, knowing the kind of team he was going to be playing with. I mean, he, he didn't come into this thing with blind, blinders on. He knew he was going to have a tough row to hoe. And, uh, and he came back and he fought, and uh, the team stayed with him and fought hard. If you think about it, you know, if LSU had one more player... Um, of Tasman Mitchell's quality, his hustle, his skill sets, uh, his size and experience. This is a totally different season. Just one more guy to help Tasman Mitchell out, uh, and we're talking about a completely different team. Basically, LSU was one player short this year. From It wouldn't have been a championship team, but it certainly would have been a team that had a respectable season. Next guy to talk about is Bo Spencer. Um, he also played a lot in every single game. He, he averaged 36, 36 minutes per game uh, and 15 points a game, good for 13th in the SEC. The thing about Bo is he was basically LSU's only true threat from long range. Taz Mitchell could shoot threes, but Bo's really the three-point shooter on the team, and he was 10th in the SEC in the number of three-pointers per game. But Bo has always been a streaky three-point shooter, hot and cold, and his uh, three-point percentage is really not all that high. Mitchell and Spencer are number one and number two in minutes per game in the SEC. So what does that mean? It means LSU doesn't have a lot of depth. Not surprising with a team of four walk-ons on the roster. Kinsley, for instance, averaged 16 minutes per game. Beatty, seven minutes per game, and Populous, 10 minutes per game. That's pretty amazing when you consider those guys were not scholarship athletes at LSU. If you get past Mitchell, Spencer, and Warren, no Tiger basketball player averaged more than five points per game. Outside of Mitchell and Warren, no Tiger averaged more than three rebounds per game. And of LSU's 138 three-pointers, Taz Mitchell and Bo made 90 of them, and Kinsley made 17. Nobody else made more than seven three-point shots. Of LSU's 1,670 field goal attempts, Taz, Bow, and Storm accounted for almost 1,100 of those. No one else had more than 106, and that's less than four shots a game. So what we're looking at is a team of three players with a supporting cast of two other players and no depth behind them. 
So why is that lack of depth? Well, that's that's the next topic recruiting. LSU's not exactly a backwater school with no basketball tradition, so you, you wouldn't expect a you know pretty stout program with the history of some amazing players, Pete Maravich, Shaquille O'Neal, uh, all the way back to Bob Pettit, um, some well-known coaches, lots of Final Four uh, appearances and Sweet 16 appearances. You wouldn't expect that kind of a program to end up with four walk-ons, three of which are getting reasonable amounts of playing time. But, uh, but it has to do with recruiting, obviously. And uh, so let's take a look at what, uh, what is filling up the roster or lack of what is not filling up the roster with recruits. In 2006, uh, there were no recruits. In 2007, uh, in addition to Bo Spencer, Brady uh, brought in Marcus and Quentin Thornton from junior college. And uh, obviously that's, uh, those guys are only have, have two years of eligibility and that played a factor. He also brought in Anthony Randolph, who ended up leaving early, and uh, Garrett Green, who's still on the team, but he's he's basically had lots of injuries. Of that group, only Bo Spencer has been a major player uh, this year. Delwan Graham was one of the recruits in uh, 2008, but he was dismissed for uh, team rules. Dennis Harris, who we've talked about already, lots of injuries, was in the 2008 class. Chris Bass, who's been inconsistent. And Storm Warren, who's uh, actually turning into a pretty solid player for LSU. And in 2009, Eddie Ludwig and Aaron Dotson were the two recruits that came in, both needing experience and time. And uh, Ludwig really needs to build up some uh, size as well. He's a pretty slight guy. So of the 11 players recruited in the last four classes, four of those players are gone. Both Thorntons, uh, Randolph, and also Graham. Two of those players have been stunted by injuries, Green and Harris. One has been inconsistent the entire time, and that's Bass. And two are true freshmen that were not ready for SEC basketball this year. And so that just leaves Bo Spencer and Storm Warren as the only contributors from four recruiting classes. No program is going to be able to field a great team like that. One bright spot is that uh, Trent Johnson was able to bring in an Old Miss transfer named uh, Malcolm White, and he had to sit the year out this year for NCAA transfer rules. Um, but he's going to provide Storm Warren with another season uh, big body uh, to help control the lane next year. We're hearing really good things about, uh, about Malcolm White. So look forward to having him on the team next year. In addition to that, next year's recruits are good ones. Most of them are highly thought of. Uh, a couple of them are four stars. Darren Becker and Turner are offensive threats. Courtney is uh, 6'7", 210. He's the only real big man. And uh, Ross Miller and Stringer are good point guards. They're small and slight, but both of them are very good shooters. Remains to be seen uh, how quickly these guys are going to contribute. Uh, But I think the best LSU can hope for out of this class is one or two players to step up uh, fairly quickly and provide the depth that uh, was just not on the roster this year. If that if that happens, then um, I think LSU just automatically will have a much better season next year. All of that depends on how quickly Trent Johnson can coach him up, though. And so that's our next topic. Let's take a look at Coach Johnson's history, and um, you know, just take a 
do a little analysis and see if maybe he had a part to play in this year's uh, dismal season. On the surface of it, it seems like uh, Trent Johnson's getting the benefit of the doubt. I just don't read a lot of public criticism of Johnson. Um, possibly that's because of last year's SEC championship and and the fact that they won their first their first game against Butler in the NCAA tourney and and actually looked pretty good against North Carolina, even though uh, the game was really never in doubt. Um, so, you know, maybe that's why Johnson gets the benefit of the doubt. Maybe it's because he's only in his second year and um, and most folks are pretty smart about the fact that he's been handed a little bit of an empty cupboard and he's doing the best he can um well what about johnson's past um we, we don't know a lot about uh, his present because he's only been at lsu for two years and he hadn't had a chance to recruit very well yet but let's take a look at his past uh, johnson's first head coaching job was at nevada uh, and if you take a look at his record there um he took a nevada team that was ninth in the whack and brought him up to first in a, and an NCAA Sweet 16 appearance just before he left. Um, his overall record there was 79-74. and 74. At Stanford, his next job, uh, Johnson took that team to the NCAA three times and ended again with a Sweet 16 appearance in his last season. Uh, they were second in the Pac-10 that season, so that's pretty good at the time. At that time, the Pac-10 was a pretty reasonable basketball conference. Um, what did those teams do, though, once Johnson left? It'd be interesting to know, you know, um, whether it was Johnson or the program that was keeping those programs afloat. Well, um, in Nevada, Johnson took a very weak Nevada team in the, in the WAC. Like I said, they were ninth when he took it over. And after Johnson left, uh, Nevada remained in the it remains to this day in the top two or three in the WAC pretty much every year. They made the NCAA tournament for the next two years after Johnson left as well. Stanford's a little bit of a different story. After their uh, Sweet 16 appearance in Johnson's last year, the program did not fare well after he left. Last year, the Cardinal was 6-12 and in the Pac-10 and didn't make the NCAA tournament, obviously. And this season, the Cardinal are 13 and 17 overall, and 7 and 11 in a very weak Pac-10. So uh, Johnson left Nevada in good shape, but something happened at Stanford. Well, if you dig a little deeper, some people think that uh, Stanford made a really bad hire in a first-time ever head coach, Johnny Dawkins. If you think about it, the Pac-10, you know, it's weak this year, but it's a fairly uh, stout basketball conference historically that's a pretty tough place to have your very first head coaching gig so that might make some sense uh first-time head coaches don't usually have great initial recruiting classes especially in basketball i don't know um, maybe that's why stanford's having such a bad year anyway uh, that's trent johnson's history after four years in a program in general uh his history shows that the program is a national name uh, he's brought both programs to the Sweet 16. And in one case, the program's still on the map and doing very well in their conference. In the most recent case, it's not. But we've outlined that there may be uh, some mitigating circumstances there with the head coach that they hired after Johnson. Well, we know at LSU, Johnson was handed a very shallow roster. And uh, new coaching staff always has 
a tough time recruiting if they're not uh, from the area, if they're not used to recruiting in that area. They usually don't do very well. Um, but it's it's been reported pretty widely that uh, Johnson has a specific recruiting philosophy, and that is he does he does not like to go after one and dones. He goes after kids who can make the grades and stay in school. Uh, in other words, he's trying to build deep rosters of uh, pretty smart kids. And it makes sense if you listen to his interviews. He speaks a lot of not acting like a fool, and he speaks a lot of selflessness. He's, uh, his focus is on defense and, and team play. So he seems like a pretty methodical, focused, consistent coach. Um, and I think he's looking for leaders and students when he recruits uh, who can play on and for a team, more of a team concept. So in other words, I think Johnson, more than just building individual teams season to season, I think Johnson's really focusing on building a program at, L- at LSU, and I kind of like that idea. And, and I think that's probably why Joe Oliva is, um, is going to give Johnson a couple more years for sure. But it remains to be seen uh, how many more years. I, I think one more year for sure, maybe two. But we have to remember that our athletic director uh, came from a, a basketball program at Duke. Uh, and you got to wonder how long he's going to be satisfied with a half-empty PMAC uh, on a good day and an uncompetitive basketball program uh, with the name of LSU on the jerseys. I just don't think he's going to be able to live with that for much longer than another year or two. But I'm confident. I think Johnson really is building a program. And uh, I think the next recruiting class or two are going to really tell the tale. Johnson says his team isn't looking forward to the offseason, but I can't help but think that that's coach speak. I don't think anybody wants to see Taz Mitchell leave. But I got to think that Bo Spencer and Storm uh, Warren have to be chomping at the bit to get more talent and help next year. Um, this season has got to, to work as a, uh, a rally cry for next season. Uh, the offseason, I would anticipate, will be a very intense offseason because um, LSU is not a school that, uh, even though the SEC and LSU is not necessarily a national powerhouse basketball program, uh, this kind of season is just not something that anybody at LSU is going to accept, and least of all the coach and the players. So um, I, I'm confident. I'm confident that this will be one of those seasons that will be a blip on the record in the record books, uh, and we're going to see a much better program next year. But it won't be a championship program next year. There's still a lot of gaps on the roster. There's still a lot of lack of experience the recruiting classes, um, even the recruiting class that we have this year is good, but it's not fantastic. Uh, there are no five-star talents coming in. So it's going to take a little bit more for Johnson to rebuild his program. Uh, this season was hard to watch, um, but it'll be worth it if the veterans on this team use the season to get ready for next year. The questions for next year are, who's going to replace Taz Mitchell in terms of consistent points production and consistent rebounds. You got to think that Storm Warren is uh, is a player for that. Also, uh, you got to hope that this transfer of Malcolm White turns up and uh, and is a a huge asset to the team. Is it going to be a freshman? Well, we'll just have to wait and see. Another question out there is, uh, will another outside shooter emerge to take the pressure off a of bow so he can shoot? 
Uh, Bo really was the only guy taking three pointers uh, all all season long. Taz Mitchell every now and then would pull up and take one, and uh, and that was taking some pressure, I guess, off of Bo. But a good shooting point guard next year will uh, allow Bo Spencer a little more time and a little more space. Uh, possibly he can uh, improve his three point percentage and take more shots, and that will be a great improvement to the team if he can. Will a point guard emerge who will be consistent and allow Bo Spencer to not play point? Uh, and that'll, that kind of feeds into the previous question. But it'll be interesting to see if one of these freshmen coming in can uh, immediately step up and play point guard in the SEC. And finally, um, you know, there's really very few big men in the paint besides Storm Warren. Uh, this, this guy White uh, promises to be good in the paint. But it'll be interesting to see if Green or Harris ever step up at LSU. And uh, next year's the season for one of those guys to step in. So those are the questions I'm looking to, looking for uh, in the offseason. And uh, it'll be interesting to see how that plays out next basketball season. This has been a soapbox from Bandits LSU Sports Blog. If you like the podcast, be sure to leave a comment in iTunes. In addition to iTunes, you can listen to the podcast at www.lsutigerbait.blogspot.com. Thanks for listening and...